Willkommen, bienvenue, welcome. Hello, welcome, everyone. Welcome, Hello. That was a little musical theater welcome for you all to set you up for what we're in for today. Some cabaret. Some some candor and ebb stylings um, because this is the a couple days after the Tonys, the Tony Awards, which were really fun to go to for obvious reasons. Um, if you don't know anything about the Tonys, those are the awards given by the uh, theater wing uh, to uh, celebrate accomplishments on Broadway. And uh, something kind of historical happened this past year, which is, uh, well, then, I mean, the pandemic happened, but that meant that if you had won a Tony or had been nominated for a Tony, this was the longest period of time you had that people could hold a nomination or be the kind of reigning champion of a certain category. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was it was like the hose was being released. Going to that show was such a great little uh, family reunion. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I don't know. Did you watch them, Estee? Of course I watched them. I was rooting for Jeremy O'Harris the entire time. Yeah, our buddy Jeremy. Well, that's that's a dude we got to get in this show. That dude I mean, is a, he's, a wunderkind. He's so brilliant. Um, we did writer a song with him. Play. Yeah, writer that's of right. Play. And writer of the movie Zola. Mm-hmm. Along with and many other Bravo. things, he's got a lot of other he does, things cooking. He's, there isn't anything he can't do. He's, he's definitely just, a multi hyphenate so, kind of kid. Yeah, he's just so cool. And he's worked with a lot of our friends. He he um he wrote the uh, uh, Tommy did a play with yeah, Alan Daddy. Cumming with the Jeremy wrote Daddy, um, which I was so sad to miss. I never miss uh, anything on Broadway, especially if I know the all literally all three people involved. It was Jeremy, Alan Cumming, and Tommy, all people who belong on this podcast. But anyway, yeah, Jeremy was, uh, he, d- he did not take home a Tony, but he certainly will soon, I'm sure. And he's got oh, enough yeah. al- accolades already in his life, I'm sure. He'll just have to add to the pile, but. Uh, he's just so brilliant yeah. and smart. But yeah, I loved watching the Tonys. Yeah, man, you know. You know who was great on the Tonys? Did you see, uh, did you see Josh Groban pop up on the Tonys? Because he's on our on show our today. On our podcast today. Great he's segue, on, he's Darren. On. Can always count yep. on you for an impeccable segue. Well, that's why I brought it up because we uh, I got to see him in person over the past two, almost two years now, year and a half. We've been we don't live too far from each other in Los Angeles, and we we have these kind of like not too dissimilar from our initial uh, pre podcast FaceTimes and continual FaceTimes that we have, Esty. But every now and then I'll chat with Josh just about random shit. Not as often as I do with you, but enough to the point where I'm like, God, this guy is just like so friendly. I, for- I even forget how we became pals, just like shit around New York and we have enough similar pals and uh, something about the, I don't know, Broadway musician guy thing uh, where every time, anytime I've spent time with him, he's just so wildly gregarious, you know? Yeah, totally. And, um, I told Josh after the Tonys when we, we when I finally saw him after trying to see him for like the past year and a half at this after party, I said, you know what I, you know what I hate about you, Josh Groban? You know what I fucking hate is that you're this really fun, cool guy, very likable. And then when you open your mouth to sing, you sound just like Josh Groban. <laughs> <laughs> And then, I, and then I'm like, why asshole. am I crying? Why? What are these tears on my face? Why do you have the voice? Of you? Why is your? Why are you touched by God? I know. Where does that come like, from? It's insane. And how, do we, how do we bottle it? I don't know. It's so otherworldly. Because he'll, because even on this podcast, 
like he'll say, yeah, guys, you know, it's like I, I travel around a lot and it's uh, it's kind of hard to be Josh Groban sometimes, but, you know, I work really hard. And then I sing like this. <laughs> and you're like, what? What the fuck? I have like such a cognitive dissonance between this like very kind of nevish like charm ball. And then like, what? <laughs> like I know. Josh fucking Groban, man. I, oh man, and that's what, like, because he, he, it happens on the Tonys, you can watch it, he does this, like, bit, he's funny, he's with Leslie Odom Jr., they're being super cool together, and then he starts singing uh, uh, Beautiful City from Godspell, and I'm just like, what, it's so, so obscenely gorgeous, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad this is, like, in the world, and that it does well, because it's so gorgeous, Oh, I know. You know. I can't imagine what it was like to see him in a... What did you see him in again? You talk about I saw him in Fame. Oh, and he didn't even have a song. That's what he but says. But he didn't That's sing. So but I, it, was, so it was... It was... Um, it was... I think it was just being like 13 or 14 and like seeing like older boys, like high school boys act and being, and being so good at it. And also like seeing the... Like the play... Like seeing Fame at technically fame high was also like yeah, yeah, of course. such a mind it's, it's, it's <laughs> totally our imitating life i get it yeah i went so, i had a similar experience when i was like seeing older kids do theater when i was i was like in eighth grade and i saw my brother's yes. high school do a production of guys and dolls and i went i want to go here exactly they're like kids i'm a kid well they didn't seem like kids at the time but i was like if this is what i'm signing up for like then i want I'm doing to do it. that yeah. yeah, I just, you know, I just thought it was so cool. And also, like, you know, the Taron Killam of it all. I'm also watching Impeachment. So I, he's like, oh, at yeah. Taron's amazing. Taron's amazing. He's, yeah, and like, his, well. he doesn't, I mean, I don't think, I don't think Taron like advertises that he also has like an incredible voice. Oh, don't tell me that. Of course he does. He was in Evita at Loxa and he played Peron. Fucking A. At Loxa. So like, <sighs> all these talented. Kids. I know, so talented, and like, but you know, the things that he's known for, are like you know, comedy and acting and SNL. But like, I knew him as like an eighth grader, as like the guy with the incredible voice. So like, it's so weird. I didn't know. Wild. I knew Josh Groban as like the really good actor. Right. I mean, this is just Jared, like we're talking about on this podcast all the time. It's like they all tie together. You know who has know. a really good voice? Who? That like I'm waiting for him to drop it on everybody, and everyone goes, "What the." fuck who like it's it's sort of a Terrence situation brian cranston no brian way cranston is uh he's got this beautiful like where where did voice. you hear him sing this was years ago it was right when breaking bad was starting it wasn't the phenom that it became and we were at some event for casting directors or something and everybody was it was sharing stories about you know casting to people in their life that whether it was a funny story what the point is we were just telling stories and okay. something happened to where he had to like um, Mike went out or something and he had to vamp okay and there was a piano and someone started playing piano and he just started like singing like kind of making up a song and being cheeky but like I did a double take where I was you know it was it was more than somebody just singing you know, a joke. It was like, oh, whoa, bro, you can sing. And ever since then, anytime I see Cranston at stuff, I'm always like, hey, man, I know your secret. Like, when are you going to, like, come out? Drop that record. Yeah, like, in a Broadway show or a movie musical, and everybody goes, holy shit, like, we thought he was incredible already. 
And so I'm just waiting in the wings. I'm, I, he's going to do it for something. I, and yeah, I, I don't know what I'm at liberty to say because I think at the, I'll just share this story. Cranston told me once, because every time I see him, this is like, you know, that auntie that sees you and always brings up the same thing. Yes. Uh, yes. This is me with Brian Cranston because I don't have like much else to talk with him about because I'm, you know, right. trying to get, keep it cool around Brian fucking Cranston. And uh, so this was years, this is maybe like seven or eight years ago. And, or whenever after Les Mis came out and he, I asked him, I was like, Hey man, when are you do a musical? And he's like, you know, I really, for the longest time, I really wanted to be Javert, but I wasn't a star. You know, I didn't have the, I, I just couldn't have been it. And, um, you know, without getting into the Russell Crowe, uh, thing that happened right. in that movie, you know, if you're going to sell a movie musical, you got to build it around stars. So I get the financial like reasons between for having someone like that. But there, let's just say there's an alternate universe where Brian Cranston was Javert in the Les Mis movie. And in my mind, that would have been the best part of the Oh movie. yeah. Can you imagine? Him singing stars. Holy shit. That would have been Wait, I want to hear him sing. And you know what? The craziest part of this whole thing is that to really bring it full circle is Cranston was in that thing you do. That's right. I heard that. I forgot about this. Where is he again? I, I yeah, I forgot. Like Somebody brought right this before, up to me. Right before the Oneaters come on stage on that like fake TV show. Yeah. He's like the astronaut. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It really That's all, awesome. All, all, you know, it, it always points back to that thing you do. It really like, Wow. Truly like the six degrees, seven degrees of that. It's thing crazy. It always, we always manage to bring it back. Well, let's move it forward. Uh, we were talking about Josh and um, something I wanted to talk about on this thing. And I'm sorry. I, I, I feel like I talked a lot during this one because there's so much about him that I'm so enamored with. And I know you are too. And we kind of got into that after we were yes. done, you know, you, and you say it on the podcast, but just, you talk about how much his, being at Loxo was so, such a huge yeah, influence on your life. It was. But something that I wanted to, I didn't say during the podcast was, you know, he's very uh, self-deprecating and very charmingly so about being kind of like an introverted guy, but he has such an extroverted personality. And, and you know, you hear that and you're like, that can't be true. You're so out there. And I thought that sounds like one SD Hyam. I thought that was very similar that would you, would you say you're, you're a, uh, an extroverted introvert. Introverted extrovert. Yes. Introverted extrovert. I, I would I guess say. They, are they? Yes. Are they? Yeah. I don't know which one is the correct term. What's the one that I'm saying where the outside is very extroverted, but the inside is introverted? It's yeah. I mean, I through therapy have figured out that I am an introverted extrovert, and kind of the definition is that I recharge, like I recharge my batteries by being on my own. Yeah extroverts recharge their batteries by being around other people. Yeah. I think that's you, Darren. That's me. Exactly. But that's where I split between me and Josh. Cause there's a lot of things that I think we do have in common. And some of those things I, I'm, I'm like, I don't want to flatter myself because I think he is an extraordinary human being. There are things about him that I, that I strive to be more like, but at least on the personality tip, I, I would put him more in a similar SD category and just in the way that he, in our, in our conversations yes. off, off the podcast, how he's, you know, I just, those kind of people fool you into thinking they're really out there, you know, go, go, go extroverts. But uh, he's an incredibly pensive, thoughtful, 
inside person. And you get a piece of that in the interview. He's extraordinarily... Um, he's really funny. Would, uh, I he's very, and I did, very, very funny. Did not yes. know that about him. You know, yeah, that's a that's the thing I always tell people is that Josh and not oh you're pretty funny for being that famous singer guy like he is just fun like if he was at a party and we didn't know jack shit about him we're like this dude's fucking funny yeah yeah very witty but I was gonna say I mean I think that's all connected to a very cerebral mind and uh, he's just dialed into something that I that I really dig and this was so hard to put together because we had we had this a couple days ago and then like a flight was delayed and then we had to move something and then we were going to do it the day after we recorded this. But then he was like, I got to be uh, in, in a car in DC because he has to go talk to like members of Senate about climate change. And I was like, this paints three things to me. One, Josh is clearly a busy dude. Two, he cares about people in the environment. And three, it just speaks to how like amenable and like uh, gracious he is with his time and energy. And people should know who are listening to this. We don't have like a huge pro team of like bookers or anything. And like, no, it's us. It's, it's just me and Esty and uh, Terrence being our producer is, is kind of holding it all together. But Esty and I just reach out to people we know and it, that it sucks. It's not a fun thing. Like if you asking people, especially when they're like a certain entertainment profile status is like kind of like, it's embarrassing and you don't want to do it. You don't want to ask anybody for anything like, can you do my podcast? And so when people meet that request with like total disarming support, you're just like, oh, thank God I love you. Yeah. So Josh was one of those guys. Yeah. He's he's one of the great ones. He's he really awesome. Is. I'm so glad that we got him on the pod and that I got to talk to him. I've never met him before. I've never spoken to him before. I thought you had. That's why I kind no, of... No, it was a, I that thing I do. That. that thing I do first, I think. I wish I had had more of an official introduction Esty this is Josh Josh Esty I just barreled no. right into it I mean it was great I mean that's probably for the best I think that I would have just been even more awkward than normal if there had just been like an official like please you two meet I was I I actually think that it was better that we just kind of went into it yeah well having said that let's let's definitely get into it let's you know, do it Josh Groban clearly we love the guy says a lot of really amazing inspiring things and uh yeah let's get into it ladies and gentlemen Here's that thing I do with Josh Groban. Woo! Oh man, I mean, Esty, this is great a, to see you, Darren. Day already, but yes, uh, what a motley crew! This is quite a motley crew. People can't see behind us right now, but Josh and I are living that. We have the, the same because <laughs> we have the same like uh, hotel the same AC grill Marriott. Uh, yeah, whatever it is, wallpaper. Yeah, I'm jealous. Honestly, I wish I wish I was there. I'm going to be honest. We all made it, guys. We all made we it. All made where it. where yeah. are we all coming from? I'm in New York. Essie's in L.A. Where I'm in L.A. Esty, if we all had been able to plan this uh, a little more um, uh, detailed, we, we would all be in the same place. We would be all sipping a cup of tea right now, but uh, such is I the know. world right now. I would no, be no, no. in a Marriott with you. There you go. It would be a great time. That sounds like a podcast. This Two episode guys, a of girl in a Marriott. Is brought to you by Marriott. Uh, thank you for sponsoring our show. No, they definitely do not. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to jump right into it, guys, because uh, be speaking of being in hotels and being bouncing around, uh, the current situation we find ourselves in is very indicative of the life that we all, for better or for worse, chose. This I'll have our listeners know that this was it wasn't a complicated thing to figure out, but it was a, a bit of a slice of life between the the sort of uh, delightful Michigas 
of our respectable, respectable, Re- respective, fe- yeah. our festival lulls. Our respectable. Respectably. Respectable. Yeah. I lost it. Testicles, wallet, and watch. Spectacles. <laughs> but our uh, our particular choices in life have led us to these kind of funny. Uh, we I've been on a text chain between Esty and Josh, figuring out where we're going to do this interview today, in an hour, tomorrow, yesterday, and it was one of these back and forths that was really like a kind of a microscope into uh, Josh's uh, current life. Uh, Josh, you're on. You're doing shows right now. Yes. Yeah, I'm doing a few shows this week. We're not like on an official tour we're gonna wait i think another you know 10 months or so to kind of put out a you know a bigger trek it's just such a weird moving target right now and and we've had we had i think as and maybe as you dealt with the same thing and darren you as well that that some dates were just kind of held like where we were supposed to do a long long time ago and they've kind of continued to ask us like hey at some point can we just do these dates and so these are kind of like that these were some things we were going to do just for fun right before COVID hit and we thought they would go away and they came back and said, Hey, we're still here. If you want to pop by and do it. And so, you know, it's a fun opportunity for me to get, you know, my, my group and my band and my crew out there and for us to do some intimate fun, just kind of put our feet back in those waters. Oh, That's I'm great. so jealous. I'm so jealous. Every day is a winding road guys. Oh, Moving I, get a bit closer. <laughs> I mean, 10, 10. Oh, nice. That was a Josh Groban uh, album nod. The uh, closer, sorry, I don't know if that was too on the nose. Oh. Closer, am I the only Josh Groban fan here? No, <laughs> you're, uh, just, you're just picking words out of the sky that might have been. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a Josh Groban album. Um, uh, you said I, the word you, and uh, of course, and uh, reminded Josh's me of song, it. You Raised Me Up. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. of course, lots of really, yes. I won't say any of those words for the rest of the interview. Deep cut, um, deep cut references, Darren. Take a so shot every the, time uh, we say you. Oh, man. Yeah, take a shot. That, yeah. that sounds fun. For our listeners that are of age, you know it so, is. Um, I, uh, well, God, there's so many things I want to say. I mean, like literally 10 minutes ago, we didn't know if we were going to do this. And I just love that we're here because it has been a moving target for all of us. How much sleep have you had? I have to know. I've, I've had enough. I know. I do look if a little If only your listeners could see the epic bedhead that is occurring right now. This is like, <laughs> yeah, I, look I like mean, you've always, you always, your, your hair is always epic, Darren, but this is, this is true fork, fork in the light socket. Yep. Uh, yeah, the sleep. I think it's because I'm doing this. I'm putting my hand through my hair because I'm kind of like rubbing my face trying to, to wake up. You either had too little sleep or too much sleep with this hair, and I can't tell which it is. Well, you and I were with each other a few days ago at the Yale Tony's, which I had a fabulous time at. I thought oh, you were wonderful yes. at. Um, so very fun. Jealous. We were out till I was out till about six a.m. Uh, yeah, I don't. I and that wasn't even. I won't. Say, it's not like we were doing anything particularly salacious. It's just one of these. I just kept, I just kept being up and wanting to hang out. I can't. I don't know about you, man, but yeah. I, I don't like leaving parties. I'm, I'm the last guy standing. But also, who can blame us right now? I mean, I mean, I exactly. And Thank one of the things that. that I've always loved about New York is just the kind of the unexpected hang. And that was a night. I mean, we we uh, ran into it at some point. Uh, you shot into the into the after yeah. party. at like three in the morning, thinking everybody would be done, like a, like a star in a china shop. And uh, you just there you, you we rolled go. in and and you uh, and 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 then the party really began. But just to be able to have like a drink or seven and a conversation with your fellow <laughs> theatrical uh, uh, community, it just like before we knew it, it was like everybody was making up for lost time. We were all catching up. We were all, you know, yes. just 
enjoying letting our hair down a little bit. And, um, and the hours just flew by because we've had, an, we've had a year. So I'm, yeah, I don't man. blame you one you bit. Took and, the I words right out of my mouth. and I was right That's there with totally you. Funny. So I, I, I've taken me 48 hours to recover from that night too. <laughs> and if it, before anybody who listens to this, uh, there were no official, uh, after parties for the Tonys for a variety of, uh, of reasons. This was a very intimate gathering of some friends that knew each other at, at a friend's house. Um, right. so it was like a small little thing that, uh, yeah, I, I too felt that. And I was like, it's not like we were going crazy. It's just, we were just chatting like you do. And it was so nice. And you're right. It was I, just so I, nice to laugh again relief. and just, you know, and just feel, you know, and of course everybody there was, we were all safe and vaxxed and, you know, just to have an opportunity to, to just be near other people that you enjoy and, and, uh, just kind of, you know, shoot the shit and have a good time. It was, uh, you know. I've, we've always enjoyed doing that. I'm, I'm way more of an introvert, Darren, I think, than you are. But I, I, every so often, if you give me the right glass of something and the right environment, I can hang in there too. And so uh, I, I, I had a really, really good time. So anyway, yes, we're, 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 there's a little burning of the candle going on I'm right s- now. I'm still on that schedule, which is why I keep going to sleep late and keep waking up late. So that's why I look like the Riddler. Well, I want, well, I don't, I actually don't think you look like the Riddler. I found a photo of actually what you look like right now. And I need to show you, I'm going to show you on. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I look like a racer head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very look racer, like a racer head, head going on. Thank you. you yeah. Know, I'm trying to make my hair, my hair look more classic. like a racer head. That's, I mean, it looks great. I love I love a David Lynch reference on a Wednesday morning. Thank you. Oh, we, That's what we, I was we going really for. Do. We really do. We really do. I'm being way too chatty. This is, uh, this. is I'm going to pass off to Esty because... You need to get back to sleep. No, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. It's nap I have time. To go now. Yeah, do I need to go to you bed? You guys are LA kids, and this is something that's come yes, up a bit in our in our uh, in our podcast where we interview a lot of uh, folks that I didn't realize. I did know you were from Los Angeles, but there's a lot of cross section between you two. You guys went I don't to know, the same I don't know if, school. Why, does Josh know this? I don't know if Josh knows this. We're we're Loxa kids, right? Yeah, you went to Loxa. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Never gets crazy. Old. Well, the we, the crazy thing is when so. Josh, when you were a senior, I was in eighth grade. Okay. And I okay. thought I so <laughs> yeah. okay. Just to just to set the scene. And could I have been really worse. wanted to have been third grade. I, I mean, I, I, I I'm used yeah, to feeling old these no, days, but this uh, is this is an integral <laughs> part we of the, the story. Hey, we were at the school at the same time, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, this is well, this Ish? is a, literally an integral. Oh, it's it started a, it's in ninth grade, right? There you go. Your your pores are tiny. You look not a day over thirty. <laughs> okay, you're fine. All right, well, I'm not oh, I'm not aging you. anyone. I've got some TikTok filters going on right now, going through my you Zoom. You look. You look, you look great. We all have the beauty filter on, Josh. We all have the beauty filter on on these Zoom calls. Oh well, there you go. I know you. I mean, so I, so I went to uh, like Loxa has this open house, and I, I wanted to do theater. Oh, there we go. You guys, Josh Robin, is that a beauty filter? No, I don't know how the fuck you're doing that. I'm so. I don't know either. That's really amazing. How are you doing that? I just went to the filters button. Oh, and you're number one. God damn it. I don't know how the fuck to do this. Ain't I cute? We're, we're, we're audio only, so I got to stop playing around with filters. Uh, so, people so sorry, should Esty, know. Okay, so on this Loxa journey, I'm in eighth grade. I really want to go to Loxa. I, was, I wanted to be a theater major. And I went to the open house, and one of the people, like, Loxa kind of does this, like, show pony thing where, like, they get, like, the best of the best at the school to, like, perform for like kids that maybe want to come to this school and one of those people was Finn Whitrock who was a freshman when I was in eighth grade so I see Finn and I'm like another 
Yeah, another Loxa alum. So I see him perform and I'm like, oh, this is where I'm going. And then a girl that I met was like, I'm, and I don't even remember what play it was because I think I was stoned. But they were like, we're going to see the musical tonight at Loxa. Do you want to come? And I was like, yes. And it was you and Taryn Killam were in a play, were in a musical. And Taryn Killam? And Are you Taren telling me Taryn Killam too? All of you yes. fucking guys went to Taryn was in my class. Yeah. Yes. Oh my what, fucking what god. What play? So wait, what what musical was it? I know it was. A, I know Mr. Sorensen. I know it was a Mr. Sorensen. I think was it was that at that point with the one that I did with Taryn was probably Fame. Did you see Fame? Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I had I had one of the only non singing roles. Ironically, uh, what? it was. Uh, I, yes. I played Mr. Sh- I played Mr. Scheinkopf, the music teacher, the German music teacher. Oh, and uh, yes. I couldn't I just couldn't cut it. I couldn't cut it for a for a singing role because there were just so many fucking amazing vocalists. There, there. <laughs> but the next year, the next year I got to be Tevia. But I, I, I really between that between my fame year and my Tevia year I took a lot of voice lessons. Well, I mean, that's that's Loxa kind of does that to you, right? It's this yeah. it's kind of this machine that like forces you to kind of raise to the like rise to the occasion. Right. And and also and also discover what it is that your kind of your thing is, because. I could sing, but I think that most definitely during that rehearsal for fame, I didn't like know I could sing inside. There was like the light bulb was there, but it was cranked way, way, way down. And so I was probably super shy and wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. This is something that we we really like to get the heart heart of uh, on the show. Um, one of the taglines that we say is that you know SD is primarily known as a musician and had a, has a big background in theater. I'm primarily probably more known as an actor, but I have a pretty heavy music and uh, background in music. Jeez, words, Darren. Um, and one of the things that <laughs> I've always admired about you is, um, you know, aside from you being uh, painfully charming and very fun and very talented, it's the sort of pathway that you went down where you were an actor and you are an actor. You still are an actor, of course, but that that th- this primary thing that most people would understand you for was something you did kind of have to unlock and, and fall into. And so I know you've had to tell, I think for our listeners, you can Wikipedia Look up a ton of stuff on Josh. I mean, there's. A, I know you've had to go through the story a thousand times, so I won't necessarily. I'm not above a rehash. We oh, love okay. a rehash. Well, it depends on how much you want to uh, convey to to our listeners, but I think that moment. Yeah, I'm curious. In high school, Josh, pardon me if I'm wrong, but I don't think. Have you ever been interviewed or talked to anyone else that went through the Loxa experience and like the? No. Oh, let's get deep. That's, oh, let's okay, get deep. I'll pass it to Esty. This is interesting. This is the first, and I and I have a lot of things to say about about that time in my life and what Loxa meant to me and what my experience was uh, having that community and that arts education and those kids that kind of were very like-minded uh, at that time in my life, it was pivotal. It was, it was absolutely kind Same. of just soul saving for me in so many ways. And, um, and so, you know, whether or not I had the chorus role or whether I had the lead role uh, it was kind of inconsequential because what I had was like friends that I got along with for the first time in my career and grades that were, really great for the first time in my student Same. life and yes uh and teachers that understood josh how, right like 16, yeah, t- yeah teenage, teenage yeah. josh who had kind of who had kind of um bounced around a little bit through the la school systems and it took me a minute to find uh my place and it was like you know it wasn't accidental because my parents are amazing we had you know a lot of people had told us locks was really great for artistic kids and but it was i didn't realize just how profound the impact of having an arts education in my in my school day would have on the other parts of my schooling life. Like it would, it, it made everything else better. My homework was more focused. Yes. My, my academic classes were, were way more uh, in tune. And, and, 
Um, had I not gone to Loxer, there's no question that I would not have, all those pieces would not have come together cerebrally in order to get into a school like Carnegie Mellon. Um, so it, uh, you know, which is like 12 musical theater students and then like 50,000 rocket scientists. So right. yeah, it was, it was really, really, um, I hold such a special place in my heart for that school as I'm sure you do too. Yes, I do. Absolutely. So you went, when you said finding your place, you were bopping around from school to school. And so you go to Loxa because you say, guys, I want to be an actor. Like, again, at this point, it sounds like you, you didn't really think you were a singer, that you could sing or that you had a voice. So what, so that was the driving force. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be an actor, mom and dad. It wasn't really even so much about like what choice in my career do I want to make? What do I want to major in? Because that's what I want to do. It was honestly, it was just pure whether or not I had confidence in one area or another. I was not a confident kid going into LOXA. I was, um, you know, not doing well in other schools. I was kind of late diagnosed with ADD and all these other things. And just, it was a very kind of complicated system to find out like where I fit in and how best I was going to fit into a school system. And so, you know, I think I was just coming in very, very, very shy. I had, a, I had a lot of talent, but I did not have the confidence to step out into the light and say, I've got this talent, which some kids have them. God, God, God bless them. The ones that are like, have the spinny bow tie at five years old and want to go out there and, and shine. I needed that push. So for me, no, I was not ready to go out and audition right away and say, I need this lead role. I relied on the teachers to push me to the front and say, hey, I believe in you yeah. and you're going to do this because I think you can. And I know you're scared and I know you wouldn't do it on your own, but I'm going to push you to do that. That's what my best art teachers did for me is they, they yeah. said, you're not going to do it for yourself. We recognize that because we're great teachers and we're going to place you there and give you the spot to do it anyway. Was there like an aha moment for any of those teachers that you can remember? Because, you know, uh, it, 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 they simply didn't just see you in a room and said, okay, you kid, we're going to push you. Something must have happened or you must have done something that made a teacher go, oh, okay, kid, like you're up. Yeah. And th that moment actually, um, you know, happened earlier than Loxa, uh, you know, because I, I did go to other schools and, and all of the arts teachers that I had at those schools, that, that was the through line of, of the great education that I had was, was whenever I, whenever that was that one music teacher, that one choir teacher, I always clicked with them right away, even if some of the rest of the school was, was not what I needed it to be. And there was a, um, uh, a choir teacher, a guy named Richard Barrett at, uh, uh, I was in seventh grade at, uh, at Windward. Remember Windward? SD? Oh my God. Of course. I knew a lot of people that went to Windward. Yeah. No Windward and Crossroads and all those. Oh yeah. Crossroads, LA Windward, School, Harvard, Westlake, Marlborough. And yeah, there's that, you know, there was the, you know, every, every, everybody like, we played flag football with basically. Um, so he was one of those, one of those uh, guys that said, Hey, you know, I was singing in the back row of the choir and he said, I'm going to put you in the front. I'm going to give you a solo for our kind of cabaret night. And uh, how old are you? I was terrified. I was 13. 13 with, with a voice that had not yet changed. So I was like a boy soprano 13. Um, oh. And he said, I'm going to give you, yeah, oh yeah. No, no, this was, this was, and I do, and I have told the story a lot on stage, but it, it, it was a, it was one of those moments where I for sure thought that that was going to be death. Like that was going to be the end of it for me. Like, uh, but I was so enthused by the fact that this teacher was giving me this opportunity and I didn't want to flunk the, the choir class because that was my favorite class in the whole school. So I did it. Um, and it was a song called Swonderful. It was George Gershwin's Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, Love that song. Yeah. Yeah. Very, SD, very LA side note. Jason Schwartzman accompanied me on the drums behind me. No. Get uh, out of yeah, here. Uh, ninth, ninth grader. I was seventh. Ninth grader Jason Schwartzman, who was in the jazz ensemble, uh, played drums this behind me. This is too me. much for me. And I, and our I, listeners I, know I how much I love Jason it. Schwartzman. <laughs> I crushed it. It was, a, it was an amazing moment. And it was one of those like, you know, uh, slow clap standing ovation like moments and uh wow. 
And so it wasn't enough for me to be the show offy kid, but it was enough for me to, to know that being in the arts was a language that I could do well when there were a lot of other areas where I wasn't feeling like I was fitting in. And so, um, so yeah, no, it was, uh, that was, that was the kind of the first aha moment. And then, God, thank you. And then, God I, had, bless then I had to worry about my grades. <laughs> I took a side. Yeah, there's those. I know. Man, you said this at the Tonys, and we all at the, the Tonys takes a, a um, does the due diligence of honoring uh, arts educators around the country, and you guys kind of alley oop that. And man, you gave me goosebumps just of like it is fucking amazing and undeniably um, just it's it, to me it's just so obviously important. I mean, it's amazing. It takes one person to say, "Hey, kid, you're up," and it changes your entire life, and not in any kind of hyperbolic, over romantic way, like quite literally. The way you thought about yourself and the way you related to the world was forever redefined because one person just had some belief in you and support. I mean, that's just that's so beautiful, man. That's well, I think awesome. Loxa does this thing. I mean, I, I I think that this goes along with what you're saying, Josh, is I think Loxa is like that, but on steroids. I mean, you're in you're in a you're in a school where everyone is completely like minded, where all of your teachers truly push you to be the best that you can be for better or for worse in ways that you know in in some ways are like not the most kosher they kind of at least in, in in the theater department it felt a lot like sometimes teachers were pitting kids against each other and make and like Ooh. kind of fostering this like almost like healthy competition between kids but it made you again like rise to the occasion it really pushed you and i think that when i look back on you know being at loxa and and I went from freshman to senior year. I think when you went, it was only sophomore to senior year. They like wanted you to be able to have like a normal high school experience for your freshman year and then realize sure. how fucked up normal high school is and be like, thank yeah. God I have this safe place. Yeah, high school's hard enough. Like yeah. So to be I think I think that it, you know, when when I, I feel like whenever I talk to a fellow alum, that's kind of always the takeaway is like, yeah, man, like it just felt so nice to be in a, within a school where everyone kind of wanted the same thing and everyone – it was kind of the relationship, I think, to like when you see basketball players on the same team kind of competing with each other to be the best. Like, you know, I'm, I'm so bad with, with sports analogies. That is not my strong suit. But did, you, did, you feel, did you feel like it was really that competitive when you were there, Esty? Yes, Okay, that's interesting. And was that your kind of own take? Like, that's how you you perceived it, or like, do you think how much of that is is was actual? It's interesting because uh, because honestly, own? every class can have its own you know mini culture and mini yes. dynamics, and it really is just about like which group of kids you get at which particular time. Exactly. There have been years where I've gone to a school and like the class was just like, oh, I cannot hang in this class, and then there have been years where it's like everybody's just you know. Um, just very easygoing and very supportive and, and all that stuff. I was, I lucked out that so many of the kids that I was in class with during my, uh, you know, uh, 11th and 12th, cause I was only there for two years. were pretty chill. They were pretty chill and pretty supportive and yes, had ambitions to go off and to do theater, but some of them didn't. Some of them were just excited that they had the arts in their lives and that was giving them the foundation that they needed to feel like better and more well-rounded people to, to go off other and stuff. study yeah. law and study whatever else. So, um, and that was what I, I think if I, if I had had an overly type A, overly razor blades between the keys, uh, competitive experience, then that might, then I might not be here 
I might I, I might have just decided that that was not that was not for me. Really? Maybe SD having that that particular class for you was the very thing you needed to become a music superstar. Was like I, you know, That's what uh, I was wow. Say, this man. is this is what this is what it takes, man. This Maybe. is what it takes. And and the I was already so in. demoralized by the time I entered Loxa that I was just so happy for everybody to be like. Everybody gets a participation trophy. Oh no! I mean, I, maybe. I mean, I think I, there's a there's a slight caveat. I think that we were all really competitive with one another, but we were we were also all really good friends. I mean, we when you're with some when you're with a group of people from for four years, especially during high school from fourteen to eighteen, we definitely there was there was a lot of love there. But I think that there was also like, you know, especially I think by senior year. The majority of people in my theater class decided to pursue theater. And we all knew there were only so many spots at Carnegie Mellon. There were only so many spots at NYU. There were only so many, like all, all these at conservatories. The University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yes, exactly. Michigan. Yep. yep. 100%. I know so I just forgot to mention that. I think, I know. Sorry, slipped my mind, slipped my mind, slipped my mind. Listen, I, I didn't think that I was good enough to go to Michigan. The only places that I, that I, well, there was part of me that was like, I just want to live my, you know, uh, Felicity dreams and move to New York and go to NYU and fall in love with my RA and work at Dean and DeLuca. That was like my dream. I didn't get, in, I didn't get into NYU. So, you know, there you go. Well, see that. So I, I got into NYU and I got into, I got into, I got into Carnegie Mellon, but my parents didn't want to pay for it. So I ended up going to UCLA anyway. But I think that, um, I think that in our, within our class, there was this, there was definitely support and I, and I have to believe this was also just something I picked up on within the teachers there. It really felt like they would single people out and be like, this is the, this is the rubric. This is what you need to strive for. And it was kids in the class. And I think that for better, for worse, it did foster this sense of like okay i really need to step up my game i, I mean Definitely i was gonna say was outside that. outside of yes. looking in at this like fucking like hogwarts scenario that you guys are painting for like <laughs> Total, truly. Arts, i'm truly. i mean even whether or not there was an actual uh a conscious attempt at creating any kind of competition or not if you're in the same class as like fucking jason schwartzman and taryn and taryn it's like and, and you're with finn and all these yeah. other people it's like yeah you're with people who are like you're in the Olympic tent. So you're like, right. all right, I want to like up my game. Yes. Yeah. Because this person's really good. Nobody you know? was being an asshole about it. I wasn't in no. a class full of jerks, but no. it was just simply like to that, to that. We're all saying the same thing, which is that just to yeah, be around that level be. of talent for the first time in my schooling life, there was this feeling of stepping it up. And I felt that way with, um, you know, at CMU and I was, I was joking with Leslie Odom jr. During the rehearsals of just like, all of a sudden, you know, my analogy for it is like we were all, you know, after that I had done Tevye and Fiddler on the Roof. I was, I was entering college feeling like I had reached my full mojo, confident, like right. I, I can do this musical theater thing. And all, we were all the hot shit quarterbacks of our prospective arts exactly. high schools coming into a place like CMU. And all of a sudden we have freshmen sing and, you know, Roy O'Malley and Katie Mixon and uh, Griffin Matthews and Leslie Adam Jr. all, uh, all going one after another. Whew. And we're going, Oh, oh, like, yes, we have time, time to step it up. Time <laughs> yeah, to step it up. I, exactly. I need to cool. get better. And so, yes. um, no, I, would I think love that, to be that, in that is room. Healthy. The first time you guys hear each other sing and just seeing the looks on your faces, that would it was be terrifying because entering, entering college is already terrifying. And then yeah, entering yeah, college for like, ballpark. for like a performance degree where all of a sudden you're with your, your class and you're all just like, 
I mean, everybody's just so unbelievably prolifically talented. Um, yeah, those were a lot of stress calls back to the old home front. Uh, those those nights, uh, yes. those first few nights of freshman year. I don't belong I, here. I have I have a question, <laughs> a, a little little maybe less about Loxon, just more about your own sort of development uh, as as an all around artist. I mean, everybody on this on this phone is uh, the phone this call this this chat is uh, multi instrumentalist. Uh, not saying we're all like prolifically unbelievable at each instrument, but we can play a couple different things. And uh, I always love it when I find you on the drums, Joshua. And oh. I always wondered, like, where did that come from? Like, at what point were you, like, were you playing in bands? Because you're a great pianist, too. And I always tell this about people who, who are fans of yours. I go, you know, Josh is like, there's so many things up his fucking sleeve. It drives me nuts. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> like, you're a great drummer. Takes one to know one, Darren. Well, know me, sir. Know yeah. me. Because I look at your shit and I go... I'm I'm not surprised, always impressed, and always inspired. Like Thanks, seriously, Darren. like you're a great drummer. Not like oh, he's pretty good for an actor singer guy. Like you're a good drummer. So when the <laughs> fuck did that start? Wait, yeah, when did, did you? From? I didn't know that you played drums. I started playing drums at two years old. We're all yeah, drummers. You're, we got some drummers here. I got some drummers here. The least proficient the great drums out of all of you. So when, how do, where did that come from? Because I feel like the thing I like to do on the show is tie all the pieces together, right? Like how, you know, if you're a comedian and you're, uh, there tends to be, a, a, there's, a, there's an age-old marriage between comedy and music, timing, cadence, you know, et cetera, et cetera, dynamics, stuff that we all know and understand. And so there are things about percussion and a percussive intuition that I think really lends itself well to a lot of your comedic chops and stuff. And so I, I just wanted to know, did you ever study the drums? Did you ever study the piano? Like where did the musicianship come in in your life? Well, thank you for Thank you for those kind words, Darren. It means a lot. And I, um, I, you know, so much the reason why I know we are all so such huge supporters of making sure that arts education stays alive in, in not just the LA for the LA kids, you know, it's like for all across the country, especially yeah. in areas where that exposure would not be happening even one iota the drums, plain and simple, that same choir teacher that pulled me out from the back of the choir, you know, yeah. he, he was like his, his room, he had the music room, like that was his, that was his space. And so during um, our choir, pra our, our choir practices, I noticed there was a drum set in the corner. And I was, I said to him, I said, Hey, if I've ever got like a free period, do you mind if I come in there and pick up the sticks? If nobody's in here and just kind of bang around on the drums. He could, and he said, sure. So simply having the, the door unlocked, just the you know, access, so, yeah. so that I could wander in at a time when everybody else is off at the food truck and, you know, talking shit and, you know, uh, doing other things. I decided to be a weird loner, you know, muso kid and just go in and just lock that door and just and just bang around. And I'm totally self-taught. I just eventually got my, you know, got myself a, you know, a really, really good, well-written letter to Santa. And, uh, <laughs> I, I pulled a whole, I did the whole BB gun Christmas story, uh, thing. And after <laughs> many, many, many years of, of convincing, uh, Santa that the neighbors wouldn't mind, um, I, uh, got a drum set one year and, and I just played it every single day. I would plug in my CD player. I put my headphones on and I would play along to lots and lots of different styles. And that's how I who learned. Who play along to? Well, yeah, like who? who I want to know who's, who. Who's your, yeah. I put, well, you know, I was, I was a teenager in the 90s. So I, I, was, I was very, very lucky that I had some, just some of the best rock, drum rock music, the Pearl Jam 10 album and the Nirvana album and Soundgarden. You playing and along to Pearl Jam 10? I was trying to. I was, I wow. was, <laughs> I was, you know, 
I was That's I was cool. getting into some That's I was awesome. getting into I was getting into the trying to follow you know follow along with the ambidextrous you know Carter Beaufort Dave Matthews band riffs and I was trying oh, to, yeah you know yeah. I was getting into you, you know your, African your, you got to switch your grit the um, totally yeah totally I was it's, just, it's not crossover it's yeah, I was right, and then and then I hear somebody do something with like a double bass thing I'm like wait that's not I can't accomplish that with one foot what, what do I need wait. and so then I go get a double bass pedal and be like oh. what, is he, what is he doing there and so I just listened and a lot of world music I learned a lot from listening to African pop stars and uh, and you know Irish music and Bodrum drums and like I don't know. I just I found myself really deep diving, and it wasn't until a rehearsal once during a during when I had become professional singer guy, I was in a rehearsal room, and my drummer said, "Hey, you want to go? You know, have you ever played one of these?" I'm like, "Yeah, I played a little bit," and I, was, and I started playing, and then all of a sudden we all started jamming, and they're like, "Hey, you play?" I'm like, "I do." Like, yeah, do something in the show. I'm like, "Okay," and yes, so you it's play. it's you play. it's I've been about it. it's honestly, fantastic. it's been about the push, and it's been about access, and it's been about having the opportunity to even have those instruments near me at times where I could explore on them if I wanted to. And so that's why it's just so long story long, so important that, um, that people have the access that when they see an instrument that, in, that, that interests them, no, you're absolutely they, right. they have the opportunity to say, Hey, do you mind if I pick that up and play around with it? It can change a life. It can absolutely change lives. It's funny. It sounds like you're reading a page out of my dad's diary. Cause that's how he started playing drums as well. Was he was in a choir as a kid and saw a drum set in the corner and started skipping school to literally break into the the choir room at it was like a he was in a choir that was a like a community choir it wasn't even at his school and so he would skip school go to the community center break into the the like band room and play drums all day yeah yeah and that's how he that was that was his access point to being in music was also singing and drums but my question is when you do you uh don henley it yeah, sing, <laughs> sing and play i'm sure you i could. you know uh or or the band i mean i i uh you know i mean oh my god yeah do you do mickey dolan so many there's a lot um you know i i actually have never i that's one thing that i've been really interested there i still have not had the opportunity to have a mic swung around while i'm playing and and do it. Oh, I know. You've got I know. To. It's something that I actually think would be a really a lot of fun. Maybe I'll start a band and do and do that. I think that would be a really fun, a really fun next step. Wait, that'd be fucking. I'm looking rad. for something. I'm looking for something new to do. <laughs> so that would be something fun. I think for me. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely. I like shedding this, is this idea. Tank. This, this is, is a nice. good thing. I look forward to seeing where this goes in a couple. We. I mean, we got. Hey, listen, I would pay money to see that. Right I know. I'm right here. I would pay to see that. I think that's like my favorite. My favorite thing to see is when uh, leave on. I mean, because you're so atta- you're so attached, you're so attached to the to the rhythm of it, and it's so primal at that point that exactly. it's just um, you know there's something there is something that whether you know that's what's happening or not when you're listening to it, something is happening. You don't know why it's happening. Like I like when I would listen yes. to those early records, I didn't know that's what was actually happening on stage. I thought he had a drummer, and so when I went and and watched it, I'd be like, no. oh, that's why that note had extra punch. That's why. He was so in the pocket. I didn't understand why I was feeling this way, and now I understand. Now I understand. Oh, oh yeah. Up on it Cripple Creek. Sense. Up on oh, Cripple Creek. Shit. Come on. I'll give you. I'll give you guys the fucking the the one of the top uh, definitely on the Mount Rushmore of these of these of these folks. Um, 
I'll never forget when I realized that Phil Collins was playing drums. The on Grand Pinnacle here tonight. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> He's doing that? Like it he just started, made the song so he much had, more. He started, like, it was one, was one of his more recent uh, uh, tours one, uh, before he before he kind of sadly had to stop playing drums. He um, he starts the show with like a 15 minute drum solo. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen I've seen all these clips, and it's uh, it's, unbelievable. Just, it's just yeah. And when it comes in, goof, 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 goof. and then all the fills that he's doing that are that are all in the holes of the of the I'm using quote fingers here, but the top line of his of his vocal, everything's weaving in and out of each other. It's in a, a way dance. That only a drummer. Well, you as really you probably can, feel that way do. too when you're playing and singing. I mean, there's something very rhythmic, very grounding to being able to sing yes. and play bass and 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 you know it's it's uh, it's a little different. I mean, my sister right. plays drums and sings on tour. Playing bass and singing. Is a it's it's definitely not not the like I I also play guitar and I can sing. That's a lot easier than playing bass mm. and trying to be funky and singing at the same time. Thundercat oh, yeah. does it really well. SD Hyam does it very, very well. Very I just well. saw it the other day, man. Come on. Thank you. It's you but got I, some, I will I will hard, go on. You're not, thank it's you. Not but I will, hard. Yes. To you. Thank yeah. you. I I will but I will go on record and say that it is not. It, that was a lot of um, me watching MTV Cribs and singing at the same time Cribs. and playing. That was how I learned. Yeah, I was what? obsessed yeah, with MTV on, Cribs. Unpack that for me. Uh, what are you playing bass to Cribs for? Is was there, there like, like a Seinfeld kind of S theme song to Cribs? No, like, you're no. watching Cribs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, like what is the. No, no, not even. No. It was literally my it was my way of concentrating on something but also singing and playing bass to the song that I was singing. So there was something distracting me at the same time as practicing and singing at the same time. So I would oh, be like doing isolation. I, You're trying to yes. not think I see what you're saying. All right. Yes. Wow. Rubbing your tummy, patting your head kind of Exactly. Yeah, so that so okay. because because I that was that was my way of of trying to trying to teach myself how to do to isolate to do something so you're, with my hands while simultaneously, while simultaneously singing trying and not to count how many cars Ludacris has. Yeah, it's like a hundred percent. Yeah, and which like, is really and, hard. And what's in the refrigerator? How of much Destiny's Gatorade Child? is in LL Cool J's refrigerator? Yeah, these are the these are the yeah. important yeah. questions. Wow. Yes, oh, and that's clocking fascinating. It. That's two sides of the brain. You're you're working two sides of the yeah. brain simultaneously. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Exactly, wow. exactly. Josh, you remind me of something that I feel like I have to say because I have never thought about it nor shared it or never spoke about it in my life until you guys both just talked about this music room thing. But I just realized, I haven't thought about this for years, but I too, during like lunchtime at my school, um, the the choir teacher, the music teacher, Miss Trieste, let me just go into the music room like by myself. And I did this for years where instead of going to lunch with everybody, I would go into the music room and I would play her guitar and I would look at her, the, her little books of chords and I would play the auto harp and I would play the auto harp Aww. and figure out which, which was my favorite. Cause you yeah. press a button, right? The auto harp like, was magic D, for me. A, I couldn't play guitar for shit. So, so having buttons on an auto harp, it just it, it it was a wonderful experience. Incredible. Yeah. Magic. It, it was the original everything. guitar hero. But I, that was my gateway drug 
Yeah. It really was, yeah. Yeah, you really felt like you were making a thing happen. Drum. So I would like play songs and go, I like these chords. And then I would pick, okay, that's a D, that's an A and a G, and like all the basic chords. And I'd be like, okay, these are the ones I want to learn so I can play what I'm playing on the auto harp on this guitar. And I spent years, because I same thing, I've never, I, I never, I never like had any lessons on the guitar. And that was my formative thing with somebody leaving the door open saying, it's cool, have at it. And uh, wow. So anyway, I'm just echoing the importance of that, that you guys are painting. Because I, I honestly haven't even thought about that for years. That was really such a huge turning point. So you taught yourself you taught yourself how to play guitar? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I've never... The only, the only instrument... Yeah. The only, the only instrument I ever had any training on, which by the... Which not for nothing did help me with everything else was the violin. I, tra- I trained like like seriously and classically on the violin. And that kind of lended itself to like a lot of other things because that's like such a sort of Jedi training kind of ear thing where like, yeah. So I want to ask Josh, and this isn't a, I know you have to tell the story a lot. I'm not sure if you know about this, but I think one of the, of the, the legend of Josh Groban um, kind of getting in with David Foster and all these people. Again, you guys can look this up. But uh, I have a question about what the fuck is a rehearsal singer? Because uh, the story goes that Josh allegedly was uh, put in as a rehearsal singer for, I believe it was Andrea, uh, Andrea Bocelli. Yeah. And uh, we don't have to get into that story specifically, but I just want to know how does, what is rehearsal singer and why, and how, does, how do you find yourself in that position as a young man like I just have never I've never heard of that in my life, and uh, I will echo this with a job that I saw during the Tonys that I just want to let people know about. When they're rehearsing for the Tonys, they have just so you can have in real time an understanding of a live telecast. Uh, they have stand-ins who go up for the people that would win the award, but it's not like they just go up on stage. These stand-ins go up and give speeches that they make up on exactly. the spot. Yeah. And they yeah. commit to it so hard. They do. And it's so incredible. I'm like, there should be an award ceremony yeah. for these improv artists that are making up these very heartfelt. And some of them go on like political tirades and like some people like keep it true to form. But anyway, so I, th- there's a whole world of like rehearsal versions of the real thing. And I'm like, what does a rehearsal singer do? How does that work? Well, I mean, I, it's a, it's a really good question because I'm not sure... I'm not sure there is really such a thing. I mean, there are always, I think there are stand. Well, and I wasn't one. I mean, I was just a kid that David said, this is an opportunity in this exact moment where I can put him on this stage and really test his test. Him. Ah, so it was like but, a ruse to get you to. Yeah, be, it wasn't, it wasn't like, let me go through my Rolodex of rehearsal singers. This one will do. It was more of like, he'd heard me sing somewhere and asked me to sing at this rehearsal because he thought it would be a really fun, interesting opportunity for me. That being said, there are, as you all know, I mean, countless extraordinary working singers in Los Angeles that do all kinds of things. They do uh, um, animation work. They do uh, demos. They do they do session demos. They do background singing. They do all kinds. You know, that are among the finest vocalists that I've ever heard and most versatile vocalists that I've ever heard in my life. And I'm sure. And I'm sure that there are lots of singers in LA that will swoop in at a moment's notice if somebody needs that kind of thing to happen. But, but you're right. I don't think at the Grammys, like, oh, Andrea Bocelli can't make his flight today, so let's get one of the many rehearsal singers out there to sing with Celine. <laughs> it would have just been Celine, I think. That's what I was, okay, this is comforting. Because I was like, that's not a job. <laughs> I, I don't think that that's a, I, I, don't, I don't think. This was, I mean, I was, I was 16 and a half years old. So, I mean, I, 
I was in high school. I was just basically like, at just I had to leave history class to go do this. So he, I think this was a thing where he said, I like this kid's voice. I'm going to throw him into the absolute lion's den and see if he gets eaten alive because he's, he's sick like that. And, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I've sur- so, I survived. So it was just David Foster trying to, just trying to trying it out, really just trying to figure out a way to get This is David there. Foster was at the piano. Selena's his friend. It's his song that's nominated. He, he was, the Grammys were not saying to him, find a singer. To, we need a singer up there. I, I, I don't think, David might, might disagree, but I, I think it was more David saying, I've got my eye on this kid. This is an opportunity for me to, to throw him into the lion's den and see, see what happens. And that sounds like some David Foster shit. I don't know the guy, but terrifying. that sounds like oh, exactly it, that's, like that the is kind of guy. Terrifying. But Esty, that's, but that's like, that's that thing you're talking about of, of somebody, this is like a great football coach. I'm going to start, I'm going to do some bad football and uh, bad, bad sports analogies now too. This is like, you know, I, cause I watch hard knocks. I watch, I watch all that stuff and you watch how they treat the rookies that are yes. at risk of getting cut. And I, I've often found that sports psychology and music psychology are actually performance. It's all performance and it's exactly. all, yeah, it's you're performance. very alone you're out there right. and you know, there's a lot of similarities. And so I'll see how the coaches kind of play mind games with some of, some of these kids that are on the bubble that may not make it onto the team and really have to show themselves. And they're not coddling. They're throwing them in and yeah. saying, this is what the Ooh. pressure of the NFL is. Can you th- make the pass oh, or can you God. not? And so David Foster definitely has that very tough love mentality and he's not going to let you take any side doors. If he see, has his sights on you and he feels like you have potential, he's going to show you the door is open. I'm not going to say that it's, that it's not open, but the door is open. It's way over there and you have to leave every pint of sweat and blood to get to that door. So, yeah. So I think that was it. It was like, oh, 16 year old kid. He's in high school. I'm here with Celine Dion at the Grammys. I've only heard him sing once on a cassette of some musical theater song. Yeah. Maybe I'll have him come to the Grammys and sing with the number one selling female artist in the world. And uh, uh, let's see what happens. (laughs) There was another situation. There was another situation where like I had bronchitis or something. It was one of the many, like we did a lot of charity events together and galas. He would introduce me as the kid that was saying with Celine and it was all that. I said, David, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm here. I'll, I'll do the, anything for you, but I'm having a heart. Do you mind if I just skip out on the high note? Can I just sing around it? I just, I'm really, I've got a little laryngitis. I just don't know if I can do it tonight. He goes, yeah, man. Yeah, no problem. Just, you know what? It's just about the beauty of the singing word. Don't worry about the high note. So I'm like, thank you so much. Thank you. I go out there with city of hope or something like that. And, and we're, we're approaching the point, the part in the prayer where, you know, nah, 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 where it's supposed to go up. David has a mic, has a mic at the piano. Right. And he's playing along and, I'm getting to that point, And in my mind, I, I had already figured out a workaround. Uh, and David on mic goes, here comes the high note. Right before, right before. <laughs> and Absolutely not. Nope. Fight or flight. As he just gesticulated so wildly in, in Fight or flight in kicks truck. in. Kicks in. And that wow. fucking note c- came out because I didn't have a moment to think about whether it would come out. It was such a shock to my system that... Uh, I, it it had it like I didn't have a moment to get scared. It was just like oh 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 yeah yeah, yeah okay, and it just popped out. Wow, so that is some you know that shit. That's uh, that's yeah. what he's known for. That's what David Foster's fucking David thing is, is is an extraordinary mentor, an extraordinary supporter, one of the most fascinating and most genius people I've ever met in my life. We all need therapy. <laughs> I know. I just I literally just shit my pants. I shit. Wow. I shit what my a pants. Story. Wow, you know, holy that's smokes. terrifying. But again, well, what a guy to have in your corner. Seriously, yeah. wow, that's incredible. 
as somebody who look, I mean, I, I, I can, I can knock on it, but like as somebody who came from that environment where I needed like the teacher to put me in the front, front of the thing, you know, yes, I, that was kind of, you know, it's, it's when you go through the boot camp and you survive it, it makes you stronger. And so I, I view it as an opportunity was, would I ever do that to somebody? It's not my no. style yeah. <laughs> to say the least, but but did it make me a stronger, did it put another tool in my belt for the next 20 years of I've been through that and I know I can get through it. So I'm going to, I've had to, I have had to, we all get sick. We're all jet lagged. We all have to do GMA at five in the morning, whatever it is. It's like, we all have situations where we don't want to hit the note in this business, where we just don't want to do it. We're in Germany, we're in Japan. We're like, I'm tired. I don't feel good. And the more of those you get through and survive, the more you say to yourself, I, I can do it and I'm going to do it. Totally. It's your little magic feather. I think 100%. that's a great sort of He knew what he was doing. He knew what life. he was doing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, are there, is, for, is there anything just, uh, again, we, t- we I'd like to tie it all together. You know, with all the things that you do as an actor, as a singer, as a producer, as a philanthropist, all the things, I think the three of us here are, are, are dot connectors. We like to kind of minimize the space between things and people and, and try and be a conduit for that. I think that's something that, we all love in the performing space, but I'm wondering for you, what's the thing that really, like, what are you chasing at the end of the day? Like, what is the thing that you love the most that really kind of ties all of it together? It's a big question, but, um, you know, I think people, you know, when they, I think it's reductive. If I was to call Josh Groban a singer only, that's reductive. I think there's so many, there, there's so many things that, that, that you do that go, that, that you have to offer that I'd be curious. Is there one thing that you love the most about all of it? Like that, that kind of t- that, what's the thing that's driving that thing you do? Well, I mean, it is a big question. You know, I think, I think to a certain degree, even the people that I've met that are legends in this business and are 90 years old are one of the things that makes them great is that they're still searching for the answer to that question at that age. You know, that we're, we're all, forever students. We're all forever trying to figure out where that next bolt of inspiration comes from, where that next thing that is a healthy fear comes from and a a challenge to yourself, a challenge to your audience. Um, I think ultimately, this is also a business of pigeonholes. It's a business of building up and breaking down. It's a business of uh, a lot of a lot of performance pressure and a lot of things that you hold yourself back because it can the very things that can make you feel like you're on top of the world are the same things that can absolutely keep you from doing 10 other things that would actually provide some satisfaction for your soul and having to clock those things constantly. So I think at the end of the day, it's a little bit all of the above. I think it's understanding those, those tools that have been developed that have been hard earned where you like know what your lane is and know that you you're, you're owning it. And I think it's really important, but also not being afraid to dive into stuff that is a completely new realm and you might fall on your face. I think giving yourself permission to fail after you've had a lot of success and after, you know, people are really watching is the scariest, scariest thing uh, to do. And so I'm constantly trying to put myself in a position where I, I, I find some, some, some of that bravery that I sometimes feel like I had more of at 16 years old when I had so much to lose. And so at the end of the day, it's all about when you, connectivity. When you had so much to lose or before you had so much to lose? Well, Sorry, I missed before, that yeah, I guess, I guess before, before I had so much, now, now there is actually a lot to lose. Back then, um, I think that's a good point. Is that is that some a lot of that bravery came from being blissfully naive about yeah, the not fact knowing that so much to not gain not actually enough, knowing no that idea. that was the door. Yeah, and having to remind yourself of some of that blissful ignorance, um, just kind of going forth. No, abs- abs- no, one hundred percent. So uh, I don't know. I, I also feel like I'm very lucky that I was never the fad. Like I, I never. 
I never really felt like I fit in from a very young age, which was really kind of, you know, back in the schooling days. And also just in music, I was having all the success. And at the same time, I also felt like, why am I having all the success? And I also feel like nobody's paying attention. And, you know, it just kind of felt like this weird, like I was this weird, like thing on the side that I was going, oh, that guy's weird and kind of killing it, but also mostly really weird. Well, there's a, certainly been a sustainability to that because when you, when you look at yourself that way, you realize, well, that that's actually ironically pretty nice because you are the outside you're you're an outlier i think is is the you word realize, you know you realize later on that all that time you were feeling kind of isolated in your own community you're writing your own playbook and you're at, you're doing something that actually gives you more more Bravo. avenues more you know experiences so you know now that i have a little bit of a playbook and i feel very lucky that i can tap into a lot of those different things i feel very very fortunate i don't want to i just don't want to rest on that i i want to at 90 years old, I want to still have that fire. I still want to feel like what's that thing that can make me feel the the good kind of scared again, the good kind of isolated again on my own little path again. Is there anything that you haven't done yet? You, other than uh, Don Hen- Henley, uh, your band. <laughs> so I want to, I want to start a band where I can play drums and sing at the same time. That's a, that's a <laughs> new one that just developed uh, today. So thank you. Guys for what's what's the new mountain? What's, what's the thing? Any, anything that you're like, I still haven't done. I, I'd really like to get to it. I mean, you, you have done a number of things. One, one thing that, I, that I've been thinking about a lot lately, because when I write music, oftentimes I'll find that, that trying to kind of squeeze it into the idea of a three-minute uh, arc or, or something, something, sometimes even thinking about the fact that I then need to sing it um, can sometimes be, be um, uh, restricting. So I love writing long form. I love uh, finding themes. I would love to dive more into non-vocal film and tv kind of composition that's something that would be something that would oh, be like really score. really fun for me uh Ooh. doing scoring yeah yeah that's something that i feel a lot a lot of my experiences in tapping into a lot of different genres uh would really really be fun for me to to take off the pressure of the singer hat and just think about being like of service to the visual is something that really inspires me right and also the pressure of the pressure of lyrics <laughs> the pressure of lyrics, like, which is which is which is always the for me. I start with gibberish and music, and then it's same. like, what the fuck, do I want to say here? Same, same, yeah, same, yeah. same, same, same. I think that that's yeah, we the haven't process. even talked about your skills as a pianist. So I, we didn't even talk about that. But yes, you are a <laughs> musical guy. I think you would because you have enough skills in the other places where you know how to make it whatever it is work. Um, and I think there's a uh, you know that that's what it requires when you're scoring something is really again tying the pieces together and maximizing moments and yeah i think i think that's definitely something you'd be you'd be great at. it's collaborative and you're forced to kind of get, you know all the gr- great film and tv composers that i know um they're writing from the heart but then they also are totally understanding of the collaborative spirit of having to throw out some of your babies as well in service of whatever the edit is or whatever the, exactly. the, the screen the script is doing or whatever the director has in mind and i i actually i work really well in the collaboration i'm not like a lone gun i really like I like that spirit. It's what I love so much about theater is what, when I found myself in a cast and we were all a cog in this beautiful wheel, it's like, oh, this is, I, I love this because then it gives me fresh ideas and we're all bouncing off each other and we're trying to serve this, this bigger purpose, which in the music business, you, it can become very self-focused. It can become very kind of myopic about a singular vision. And I fly better in my soul when I have a lot of people I can bounce off of and share that. So would you say, do you prefer the the creative uh, collaborative process over the performance process? Because that was kind of the question I was getting at when I was saying, what's the thing that you love doing the most? And you gave this beautiful 
and uh, I was sitting here just like applauding <laughs> with all the sort of the platitudes and wonderful things that you were. That Did you were that just saying. happen, or was that another conversation? That's, yeah, I, that's <laughs> it, whatever it was. It was it was great. I'm very it was distracted. A, it was <laughs> a lot of wonderful quotes that I'm gonna hold hold to my heart as as I as I tally forth. But oh, what I was well, kind of go me, I guess. Wow, you're, you're doing great, Josh. You're doing yeah. great. A lot of a lot of Thank usable you. things for social is perfect. Can't wait to listen back. But specifically, I was kind of saying like more the performance stuff, more the writing stuff. Is there stuff in all of it that you like the most? Like it sounds like it, I don't know. I'll make it easy. I'm, I'm I feel like I'm being uh, too all over the place. I'll go back to my original question, which is. Or do you prefer the creating the studio, the 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 A and Ring of the record, put that stuff together, or on the road performing with people? I, they're two sides of the same coin, but which one? Yeah, they are. They're both exciting and they're both uh, very rewarding. But it's it's a really really easy answer, and and there is nothing like performing. There is to me, there's nothing like a live stage, a live audience, the ebb and flow of the energy that you have with a crowd. And I felt that way when I was the seventh grade theater kid, and I stepped out on stage for the first time and felt that. I was like, oh, that's my bug. This is what I want to do. And as much as I love the being in the in the process of A and Ring and crafting and writing and going, oh, that's a cool idea, and like loving listening to that back over and over again in your car, and it's it's fun to create, but there is nothing like the energy of a, of a live stage. I was from a young age; that was the the bug that I had, and I I, I still feel like that's there's uh, not even a close second to that. That's I mean, I, uh, and I'm with you, <laughs> and I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, and I, I, yeah, I echo everything you said. And I'm actually really excited to hear some of your scoring stuff. That's really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what comes next, man. Well, this is, it's, 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 it's an interesting time. This certainly has been, and it's an interesting time for you, for you guys to have a, a podcast like this where, where you talk to people about the process and especially if there's kind of multi-hyphenate process and all that. I mean, this has been a time of really great reflection for a lot of people in the artistic community and a lot of people who, who can do a few different things. Um, there's a little bit of a kind of who am I anyway, you know, kind of thing going on with a lot of people and that's goes across all jobs. But I think especially when you're a creative, just easily kind of, you know, organized mess of a creative brain, this has been a lot of time to really consider what things get you going and what things really would be exciting things to tap into. And I think that that's shared by a lot of people who are in music who are maybe known for one thing, known for five things. There's a lot of looking in the mirror and saying, what inspires you? What, what would be a really fun inspirational thing to do and there's a lot of great risk taking a, a renaissance of risk taking that i think is going to take place um in the coming couple of years after this last year i agree i i too have felt that being a creative person within this time has forced you also to rise to the occasion of being creative and figuring sure. out the creative ways to express yourself and also, and going along with what you were saying about like also thinking about what this means for the rest of your career and is is doing something like this going to mean that I can't do something else and how to allot your time. And I too have gone down the avenue of figuring out that I love scoring <laughs> as well. Oh, well. Yes. You need a partner. And I feel like, and I've, t I mean- Josh Groban, if you are in the Los Angeles uh, area and you would like to come over and uh, jam with me, we could be the new Trent Atticus. I'm telling you, honestly, I'll, I'll that, get you guys coffee. Wow, I'm really going for that egot, so I would really, <laughs> really enjoy. I'm egot adjacent. Uh, I've been nominated for everything, but they've won nothing. So let's let's get uh, there together. Let's do it. I have an I have you know what I have? I have an aluminum foil swan from Gladstones uh, that I have. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that I have on my mantle that is just 
from from when it's I was a place a birthday party. It's a placeholder. There's, there's still shrimp in it, but uh, it's it looks great. <laughs> and for, may they stay forever until they may re- until replaced yeah. with by yeah. other. Truths. But I hear so you. That's the yeah. dream, right? Is just to. Be, I mean, I yeah. think that that's the great the 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 blessing and the curse of this time has been that it a lot. It's 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 been a time where we there's creative outlets that I know are within all of us that we haven't had the time or access to, but because we're just kind of sitting at home and, you know, I, I released a record in the middle of a pandemic and yeah. it was very, um, it was very weird to then not tour it right after. Oh uh, yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah both so, of you guys, that's right. You know, yeah. it's it, where I feel I, my, my sisters and I kind of said this, you know, at the beginning of, of the pandemic was, I think that everyone that released a record within this time is going to like have a t-shirt. Like we're all going to be part of some weird club. It's like, you know, I released, <laughs> totally. I released a record in the yeah. middle of a pandemic and all I got was yeah, this fucking shirt. This. <laughs> uh, literally all I got was this shirt. Yeah, exactly. Fucking shirt. Yeah. But yep. I, I do think that, I think that it's, it's something that, I mean, again, like the music is not to get, you know, super cornball, but like the music is within you. And I think that it's like it's something that you would be doing a disservice to yourself to not express it and 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 have something like, you know, being able to score a movie or a TV show, especially in this time when you have the time, I think is really exciting. And I know from experience and just uh, the show that I'm the show that I scored is coming out on Friday and it's the first thing that I congratulations. Thank you. Well, that's spectacular. It's on Netflix. It's called Made. Amazing. And um, starring Margaret Qualley and Nick Robinson. That is a shameless plug. But I'm really excited about it. It's also really scary um, because this is the kind of the first thing that I've done on my own without my sisters. But at the same time, it was really like freeing and nice. And it didn't feel like there was, you know, there wasn't as much, you know, again, pressure with like lyrics and stuff. And there was something really beautiful about just being able to like, kind of throw the spaghetti against the wall melodically and, you know, with harmony and just kind of let it happen. And I, and I think it was something that I'd never done before. This is exactly what that. Josh was saying. This is, yeah, these are the I risks that people are yes. coming out, you know, and yeah. coming out of the woodwork going, okay, well, let's, let's, let's give it a go. I think you're absolutely right. Well, Josh. I don't know you, but I'm super proud of your adventure and I'm super proud <laughs> of your, you, your bravery to do that. And I think you're representing exactly what we're all feeling and you're putting it to action. Thank and I, I cannot wait to do I it. I have to tell you, before we got on this call, I was psyching myself up because, you know, I think that b- being Angelinos and being and having like a very, very similar, you know, like obviously we went to the same high school, but I do feel like a kinship to you because I think that we, we've kind of had this similar experience. And so I just wanted to, like say thank you for getting on the phone with us it was really really cool oh man like, thanks for really really us, man cool thank to you. talk to you and you know and i know that being loxa alumni everyone's every time i'm i'm with other alumni they're like have you met josh groban yet and i'm like no oh, man haven't met it's, it's like it's like josh groban by the way same goes for for you and your sisters like i i every time it comes up like no it's when you mentioned do i even know about it like it, it's you're such a shining example of of that experience and the success of that experience and why it matters, why it matters so, so much. So thank you for continuing to be an exemplary example of, of what it can do. This makes me happy. I I feel the same way. I'm just such, I'm such a, again, like I don't, what I was trying to get to before, sorry, I know that we kind of got off track, but what I was trying to say was seeing you perform and seeing when I was 14 was one of the reasons that I wanted to go to LOXA. 
man. So thank you, thank you for doing that. And that was such a you just made you. my money. So yeah, that was a very it was a very big part of of the reason that I decided to take this leap and, you know, not go to North Hollywood High School, you know, around the corner from my my house in the valley. Take that North Hollywood. Well, yeah, North Hollywood I'm, High School. I'm reclaimed on behalf of myself and all your many millions of fans around the world. Thank you for making that decision. And, um, <laughs> and for all, and, and thank you for being, you know, thank you. you. No, I, I really, I really appreciate um, everything that you said. And that means, that means everything to me. Esty. thank you very much. Oh thank yeah, you. man. I can think of no better place to close this full circle interview. Josh, thank you so much for your time. And seriously, <laughs> you, you're, you're truly an inspiration. Look at us. We rallied. And, uh, we rallied. I know. We, rallied. We, did we, did we did it. It's fun chopping it up, man, with you. It's therapy for me to be able to connect with two extraordinary people and talk about things we love very much. And, uh, and I hope we can all uh, get together in person. Yes, time and, when you're uh, in LA. When you're in LA, I literally yeah, stay out till six in the morning at some someone's house. Yes, for sure. Ski and a conversation. We're going. Let's, let's go to Darren's it. house and take a dip in the goddamn. Let's pool. no guys. Let's find a Marriott. <laughs> let's let's find- just. <laughs> This this episode of that thing I do is brought to you by yeah. Marriott, yeah. Uh, putting Josh <laughs> Groban, Darren, Chris, and Esty Heim up for free in a hot tub if somewhere with some whiskey. We don't get a free room okay. after this episode. I swear to God, someone is doing something wrong. Someone is doing something wrong. Josh, thanks so much Thank for your you time, so man. Much. We love you. We love appreciate you, you man. And uh, you. break a leg, Same man. Goes. We'll see you out there. You're the best. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Esty. Bye. Bye. That thing I do is a presentation of Cadence Thirteen Studios. If you like the show, which I know you do, please be sure to like us, follow us, and leave a glowing review. Thank you for listening to our show. We'll see you next time. Bye.